Check to see that you feel balanced and relaxed without holding or tension. Letting your body settle down onto the cushion, feeling stable, steady. And then let your attention open and rest in the spacious quality of the mind, noticing the sounds that appear around you. Remaining open and receptive, noticing that when sounds appear, hearing happens. We don't need to make any special effort to hear anything in particular, but just remain open and attentive and notice what sounds appear. Renewing your attention in each moment and noticing the next appearing sound without thinking or commenting or fixing anything that you hear. Just noticing the effortless quality of hearing. that same quality of open and receptive (coughs) attention. Notice also the appearance of sensation in the body. The sensations of sitting, pressure, straightness, heaviness, hardness, numbness, that momentarily appear and are known effortlessly by merely paying attention. sensations that appear is the breath, 
let the movement or sensations of the breath come to the foreground of your attention, noticing the full sequence of movement or sensation of the in-breath and the out-breath, being with the texture and quality of sensation that you feel without controlling the breath or fixing it or adjusting it in any way. Let the breath breathe itself. When your attention is called away from the breath to other predominant sensation in the body, let your attention go there fully, being with that then current appearance of sensation, noticing its quality, movement, changes, until it no longer commands your attention then return to the breath. Be particularly alert for the obstructions and hindrances to mindfulness, especially when feeling dull or sleepy or restless. Recognize this quality of mind Also recognize different forms or manifestations of aversion, dislike, anger, frustration, judgment, criticism, disappointment. Recognize when these filters cover the mind and distort what we see or what we know. Identify them, open to them, let them be, don't be disturbed by them. When you discover that your mind has wandered off into thought or fantasy, recognize the quality of thought as planning, fantasizing, remembering, commenting, judging, analyzing, narrating, many different kinds of thought Fill the mind with chatter. 
recognize them. They appear and can be known effortlessly when we're attentive. Let them come, let them go. Recognize their appearance. Don't be disturbed by them. Notice also predominant emotional appearances, emotional states, mental states, anger, frustration, joy, happiness, a sense of ease. Recognize these qualities of mind, open to them and their full experience in the body, in the mind, Don't be deceived by them. They are momentary appearances in our mind. Let them come, be with them, let them go. Recognize them for what they are, a momentary appearance, (coughs) pleasant or unpleasant, equally known when we're attentive. In this way, let your meditation be continuous, recognition of what is appearing in each moment. If you get lost or confused, return to the breath. Be patient and persevering, beginning again each time you forget to pay attention. Your practice? Yes. Uh, Let me see if I can put this. When I have thoughts, they seem like the most important thing in the world, that that thought has to be thought right then, it has to be thought to its end. And then if I do that, it just comes back later all over again with the same, it's the most important thing in the world, it has to be thought. I'm getting kind of sick of it. (laughs) But what's the best way to handle it? Is it really just when it comes up to just watch it go through to its end like a wriggling worm, and then when it comes up again, watch it wriggle and squirm all over again? until it finally, does it just have to exhaust itself? The comment is, um, he's getting sick and tired of his thoughts. They keep coming back. Um, Even when he sees them, they just seem like they're the most important thing in the world, and they just have to run their course. And is that all that he can do with them? Yes and no. Thoughts come due to their own conditions, their own momentum. If we see them clearly 
as thoughts, then we're not so invested in them. But as you say, when the thought comes, it is the most important thing going. And it's just got to be, uh, the feeling is, it's just got to be thought out and, and you've got to let it go. But you've seen that that's not, it, it really doesn't lead anywhere. It just goes around in circles. So I would encourage you to um, use the label, thinking, so that when the thought comes, that you clearly recognize it as thinking, if possible. And then see what happens to it. Now, I'm not saying see what happens to the content of the thought. You know, the, 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 the fantasy is going along and he says this and she says that and he does that and she does that. Oh, fantasizing, and then he does and then he does. But I mean, clearly um, moving away from that subjective enmeshment into a little bit of objective clarity that this is the process that's happening thinking. What you were telling me is that uh, it's like the two poles of, of, of uh, relating to thoughts. One pole of thinking is, as you say, total subjective enmeshment in it, where you just, it, it is the most important thing and that's all that's going on and you are totally identified with it. And on the opposite extreme is this very cold, cutting, scientific objectivity that just says thinking. I don't care what it's about. And either one of them is not very pleasant. Total subjective involvement just leads to circular uh, emotional upheaval. Cold, cutting... uh, Scientific objectivity uh, leaves us pretty sterile and cold and, and, and kind of brittle. Mindfulness is that place right in the middle where there is the clear recognition of the thought, the, the, the feeling of it, the uh, emotional content of it, and the objective knowing of it. So that we're not just enmeshed in the content or the emotional flavor, and we're not just cutting it off uh, out of some aversion even, but rather we're with it, knowing it, and noticing what happens to it. Now, sometimes, in the mere recognition of the fact of knowing a thought. The thought just, it it just ceases to be, to have any momentum. But sometimes, even with clear recognition, oh, there's this fantasy going on, or this uh, memory, or this plan, just going on and on. And we know that we're just caught in this obsessive uh, pattern of thinking. Okay, you're knowing it, you're knowing it, you know, it's still happening, or it, it fades, but it comes right back, and you notice it again, and it fades, and it comes right back. Then I would say there's something in the content of that thought, 
or that fantasy or that emotion or that memory that's not being seen. So, uh, obsessive planning is happening, for example. You just find yourself constantly trying to figure out what you're going to do at the end of the retreat. They're just, just going. Huh? <coughs> Anybody having that fantasy? <laughs> it's just going on and on. And you notice it, fantasizing, planning. Put it aside. Okay. Back to the breath. Poof, right back to the fantasy. To plan. Notice it. Right back. There's something else fueling that planning. Fear, anxiety, desire. What? If we, if, we, if we get a sense of what's beneath the, that, that content, you know, that, that, that plan, then we might be able to get in touch with the, 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 the ground, the emotional ground out of which those thoughts are springing. Then we can open up to, oh, no wonder I'm doing so much planning that I've got this tremendous amount of fear. Okay, you know, what am I going to do with the rest of my life or, you know, did I get this job, or what happened to my significant other, or something? You know, that just that is just cooking under there. Then we can open up to that. We're not just kind of noting thought, 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 planning, 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 fantasizing, fantasizing, fantasizing. But we're noticing, oh, there's this feeling of anxiety. Oh, well, that's that's a whole different ball game than noting thinking or fantasizing. And then when we open up to the the, the emotional pool out of which these thoughts are springing, then we might be able to actually see through the smokescreen of the thoughts and, and, and really see the changing nature of and open to and let go of or disidentify from that emotion. So they say. <laughs> It takes some, it takes some practice. <laughs> That's why we call it practice. You know, we practice being mindful of these things. Yes. Well, there's two ways I could kind of uh, respond to this one. One is, okay, you hear a sound, and you immediately know morning dove. What's wrong with that? Hearing is hearing. Knowing morning dove is knowing morning dove. Okay. Knowing. 
knowing, yes? Then what? Thinking? Yeah? And what, what, what's the trouble with that, so to speak? Now just listen, just listen right now. Just listen. Pure sound. Keep listening. Any problem with that? There you go. Now we expose wrong idea of good practice. That's, yeah, we have this idea, oh, good practice should be, somehow I just exist in this void of pure experience and don't know anything. Don't know where it's coming from, don't know what it is, don't attach any concepts. Doesn't happen that way. So we know, you know. Pure sound. We also know it's a bell, thank goodness. We can adjust our posture. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay if we know what the source of sound or sensations or thoughts or anything else is. What is the, the, the problem is when we are caught in a train of thought about the sound. So, that sound goes by, and you say, oh, truck, truck. Well, it sounds like a logging truck. Hey, I wonder if they're cutting the trees out back. I wonder what kind of... Hey, I wonder... I'm a forester. I used to go out in the tree. Then you've got a problem. Because <laughs> the sound is... no. You're not aware of... You're not in the present moment. You're caught up in a train of thought about the sound. Now, knowing sound, even knowing that it's truck, okay. But when the thoughts go from there, far off into the fantasy, the, fa the past, the future, imagination, then you're out of the moment. Keep practicing. As you get closer to the breath, you'll get closer to the sound. It does take a while. I mean, initially, uh, our concepts, our experience is overlaid with concepts immediately. But as we continue to really work with and really get in touch with the bare phenomena of things as simple as the breath, then sounds, etc., etc. We will begin to see that uh, we can experience sensations, uh, sounds, tastes, etc., as pure experience without that conceptual overlay. But it, you're right. It takes some time. It takes some practice to to for the mind to get so sharp as to be able to distinguish.
uh, pure experience from the concept of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it does it does come. Feeling that ease of experiencing whatever's happening in the present moment by just settling into listening to hearing. listening to whatever sounds are appearing and disappearing in an open, wide field of awareness. And then in your own rhythm, in your own time, gradually bringing the focus to experiencing the movement of the breath. You might find that you can experience this movement more easily with a more open focus of attention. And other times you might find it more helpful to bring the attention as close as you can to the movement of the breath or synchronizing the attention with the movement of the breath. Seeing if you can experience that ease of just letting the movement of the breath come to your attention like you have with the sounds. When you feel like you can look more closely at the movement of the breath, 
noticing how it begins, how it changes, and how it ends. When you feel like the attention is more rested or less scattered, at times let your attention go with what's predominant. Let your attention go with what's happening in your moment-to-moment experience. Exploring, hearing, exploring the body, exploring emotion, if that's what's happening, or mental states. And whether your moment-to-moment experience is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, noticing any reactions in the mind to pleasant feelings, noticing any reactions in the mind of attachment or happiness, or joy, enthusiasm, exhilaration. And remembering that you can be mindful of these as well. Just let them be. Experience them as fully as you can. Without identifying with them as me or I, or mine. They're just like clouds passing through the vastness of the sky. And when you experience unpleasant feelings, noticing any any reactions in the mind, such as irritation or impatience, or aversion, anger, frustration, rage, or fear, withdrawing from what's happening that's unpleasant, fear, withdrawal. Remembering that you can be mindful of these as well. You don't have to get rid of these just to learn how to experience them as fully as you can, but without taking them personally as I or me or mine. Letting them come and go 
in your experience like clouds floating through the vastness of the mind or heart. And whenever you notice that thinking is happening, it's mostly helpful to make a just kind of a generic note such as thinking and just to anchor the attention again in the present moment by experiencing the movement of the breath as tenderly and carefully as you can. So just see if you can settle back, relaxing into whatever it is that's happening in your moment-to-moment experience. With a kind of gentleness and strength of alertness. Any questions this morning? The question—he's um, doing the karuna practice, which is uh, one of the Brahma Viharas, and uh, we do it after the metta usually. Uh, so co- compassion is karuna, and the way that um, 
is taught is to start with somebody who is suffering uh, enough so that you can bring out this feeling within oneself of caring about them. One would do it uh, the way, you know how we say, if you can keep the compassion going, like with the metta, if it's as a concentration practice, if you can keep the compassion going without going into the vipassana, you would. If involuntarily, you know, you know how in vipassana if something keeps repeating and repeating, one has to go into it at some point. There's the, it's the same thing with the, with the compassion or metta practice. If you can't do that, at some point you'd have to shift to vipassana. But if you have a choice, go with, go with the phrases and go with doing the compassion. question is around thinking and how to work with it, whether to go into it and analyze it or just to note thinking and move out of it. Uh, mostly, most, with most thinking, it's pretty much, uh, if you look at it, it's kind of, you could call it chatter or you could call it garbage or, you know, you could, you know it depends on your attitude about it at the time, but there's a lot of... Um, endless thinking that's going on and it's helpful to give a more generic term of just thinking and not to analyze the content, not to get into it and just to come back. Thinking is happening, you know, we're thinking machines and we tend to be thinking a lot so mostly just say thinking and come back. If there's a thought pattern that keeps repeating and repeating, sometimes it's helpful to make a more specific note the reason for that is to sharpen the mindfulness so that you'd say something like judging or planning or remembering or fantasizing or um, convincing conversation. You know, we can get into many conversations in the mind. When those start repeating any of those kind of thinking a lot, it helps to make a a judgment about what kind of thinking it is, mainly to wake us up, to, uh, to, to come out of it. And then there's kind of, there's these thought patterns that are more complicated, uh, that are deeper, that tend to have more of an emotional content underneath it. And the thinking is usually an avoidance of an emotion. So there'll be whole thought patterns that come and go that tend to stay with us for five years or ten years or fifteen years. You know, there's certain fantasies that will repeat or, you know, there's there's just stuff that repeats that you wonder, you know, why am I biting for that? Why am I biting for that? Why am I biting for that? And there's, it's like there's some gasoline underneath it that keeps fueling it, that sometimes we're not ready to experience that feeling yet. It's usually an emotion um, if you notice that that kind of repetition is happening, 
It usually helps to go to the body and just feel what the body feels like and just make space for whatever emotion is there. You might not feel anything, but it's just to come back to the body before you come back to the breath and just make space for whatever is there. But it isn't, it isn't something where we're analyzing. We're not supposed to be analyzing thought. So, you, you know, that isn't, that isn't usually helpful. I've been trying to look at a very strong mood. And I just can't, it's like a fog. I just can't get anywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, I ended up just sort of being with it, you know, following the breath and knowing it. I know where it is in the body. I just can't penetrate it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the question is, did you hear the question? Uh, the, he's experiencing a very strong mood, but it's foggy. He doesn't quite know what it is. Uh, there, are many, there are many experiences that happen in meditation that we don't know what they are. Uh, sometimes they're physical sensations without a, an emotion. Sometimes they're an emotion. Uh, so it, It's easier when we can say, oh, that's fear, or that's anger. Uh, It's it's clearer. When it's more like a a vague mood, but that it's intense, you don't have to know what it is. In some ways, whether we know what it is or not, it's, it's really, with emotion, it's really helpful to drop out of any thinking about it and to really go into the body and, and feel it like you would uh, walking into a landscape or looking at a painting. It, it's more like an impressionistic feeling of just letting it be when it's predominant. When it's predominant, feeling it, let it be, just to uh, explore it. If you can't penetrate something, you can, you can go to the edges of it. So whether it's physical pain or an emotional mood, instead of feeling like you have to go to the center of it, just stay on the edges of it. Sometimes things don't want us to penetrate them. You know, they, they'd rather be uh, uh, held with more of an open awareness. And just let it, let it be like it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
that it's really important in meditation is to see that often when we bring our attention to something it will get more intense or we have an idea there's a motivation behind that going to it that we're going to somehow it should get less intense or it should go away and one of the ways I explain that is like right now there's the sound of a bird outside the window and if we, we decide to explore that, we don't get that sense that it should go away. You know, with hearing, one of the reasons why it's so helpful to work with hearing in terms of mindfulness and meditation is because it's usually more neutral for us, unless it's some of the unpleasant sounds that we, you know, we have more aversion to. But with a pleasant sound like the sound of a bird, if it lasted for 45 minutes, you wouldn't have a problem with that, would you? And, and that, it's so interesting how, but when there's irritation, we think that somehow it should go away. And it could go away, but it might not. It might be that that's what's going to happen for that bit of time. And often it's because we're not accepting it. We're not really accepting it. There's some kind of aversion to it going on. If, if it's happening like that, and, and say you're opening to it, um, you can't fake acceptance. You, know, you, you, can, you can talk yourself into thinking that you're accepting it. And it's so, you know, it's so, you know I, I know many times where I'll be sitting there thinking, I don't care. You know, if irritation is happening, you know, but you do care. It's still, you're still having the aversion. And at a certain point, it, it is skillful to move away from it. That's what the anchor is for. The anchor is for, it's supposed to be a neutral place that you can go to um, if one isn't having the strength to open, to have the acceptance of what's happening. And so in that case, with anything difficult, whether it's a difficult emotion or a difficult pain in the body, it's helpful to keep a relationship up with the anchor, something neutral. Uh, Even if you're doing okay with it, after a while, the line between pure exploration and aversion can get very, very thin. And you think that you're with it, with this beautiful open awareness, but actually one's with it because one's wanting to get rid of it. Uh, and often with, a, with an experience like that, it's like the, the sound is kind of pulling us out of the concentration, and we don't like that. And there's a certain point where one can open to just being with that sound, just like you would the sound of a bird. And that's your meditation object at that point. You forget everything else but that sound. Sometimes you can go through the aversion to it just being sound. But sometimes we can't. Sometimes we, we don't want to, to be with that sound. We think it shouldn't be there. You know how we'll say something like, that person's driving me crazy? 
but actually we're, it's the aversion that's driving us crazy. You know, the aversion, in, it's inside of us what's driving us crazy, but we tend to think that it's the sound, but it's actually the aversion. That was something that for me, I was running and running and running and running and running from my whole life, was aversion. I didn't know how to work with it. So this isn't easy. It's not, I'm not saying that that's easy to know how to open to aversion, let it be there. The, the way that it would feel like if you were able to do it would be instead of like, oh no, aversion, it would be, oh, aversion, I wonder if I can learn how to experience this. Or, oh, aver- my good friend irritation, you know, let me, let me see if I can work with it. That's, say, that's very different than aversion. I don't want to be experiencing this. You know? And if, you're, if, you, if you can't work with it, it's okay to move away from it. Head for the hills. Heading for the hills is, you know, going to the anchor. It's okay. It's not like you'll never get another chance to work with irritation. You know, don't worry if you move away from it. <laughs> it's not like it's it for this lifetime. You'll get another. You'll get another chance. <laughs> so we have to stop because of interviews. Um, you sound like you're, this is, when, you, when there are questions about this kind of stuff, it means you're really getting in there. It's great. <laughs> Have fun. <laughs>